Melnick in the afternoon. Listen live weekdays from 3 to 7 on TSN 690. I'm sure Pierre has uh, dropped some change in a jukebox for this. This is the uh, original classic version. Sticky Fingers re-released in an expanded album today. Welcome back. Let's go to Chicago from ESPN.com, TSN Hockey Insider, and RDS as well, and with us every Tuesday and Thursday after 6. How are you, Pierre? I'm all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Chicago's your kind of town, isn't it? Number one. Number one on the LeBron NHL circuit. Uh, no you, you were there. I was just, Gallo was just asking me off the uh, during the break here, but you, you were there that night at Hurley's with Ted Saskin and Bill Daly sat down? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. It's the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah, no, I remember covering that event, and I obviously spent, <laughs> unfortunately, much of my time in 04 and 05 with that Saskatoon and Bill Daly. <laughs> but I can't remember if I was there that specific night, honestly. I know. There are some I, things that I just, I'm just i trying to erase from my memory. Yeah, you were there. Uh, Eric Dehachik, everybody was there. Uh, uh, okay, I remember the night you Everybody about, was yeah. there, yeah. And uh, and what do you know what Alan Eagleson was doing there last night? Enjoying a great hockey game like the rest of us. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have Joe a? Joe was there. I ran into John Cusack. John Cusack. John yeah. Cusack. He's playing Brian Wilson in the movie. Yeah. No, I, I say I ran into him. It's not like I talked to him, but he walked by me after the game, and uh, he looked very glum because, of course, he's yeah, a he's a Hawks big fan. Blackhawks fan. Was Vince Vaughn around? Because you you can't miss Vince Vaughn, right? Yeah, no, I didn't see the big guy. Didn't see the big guy. But uh, yeah, John Cusack. What's your take on him, what Bishop looked like at times in terms of his laboring? Nah, he looks like he's got some issues, but you know, I think that we uh, we still didn't put a puck, enough pucks at the net uh, in uh, traffic, obviously, but certainly uh, I thought later in the game there we made it easier. Pierre, I was watching that live, and for those who aren't aware, that's Pierre asking Joel Quenville about Ben Bishop. And uh, uh, But is that is that typical of Quenville when he loses, or was that more uh, uh, curt than usual? Well, to be fair, I asked him to comment on another team's injured player. I was actually surprised I got any answer, to be honest. And frankly, we got more out of Joel than we got out of anyone on the Lightning about Ben Bishop, so it was worth a shot. But yeah, no, he was he was a little short last night. Uh, I mean, listen, it's the first time all playoffs, the Hawks have lost two games in a row. So chew on that for a second, right? I mean, um, they're not used to this. And and what they're also not used to is, is being in the... Um, you know, being a, in a track meet with with another team that's just as fast, if not faster, at times. I mean, that that is completely unknown feeling for the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, you know, there are teams in the West that have tried to push them around, and and it's worked at times. LA Kings beat them last year. Anaheim tried to push them around last round, but when it comes to using your speed, there isn't a team in the West that's been able to use that on Chicago. So coming in this Stanley Cup final, and again, the, the Hawks. You know, we're a faster team than the Bruins two years ago in the Cup Final. They were faster than the Flyers in 2010. This is new territory for the Blackhawks to basically look in the mirror and have a team come right back at them with the same kind of speed game. And I think they're having a hard time with it. Uh, and that's that was, um, I do believe, the first in-game... Uh, I don't, it must have been Pierre Maguire asking Joel Quenville something on the bench in, in Game One. That's the first thing he said: "Is that yep? <laughs> he, you, you notice a difference coming out of a series against Anaheim playing Tampa? Just what you're you're pointing to, and a defenseman they've played they've played against some really good defensemen like Shea Weber, but not Victor Hedman right now. 
Yeah, he's my con's my thick right now, boy. I'll tell you that. If Tampa wins the cup, I think I'm my, my first place vote, and I and I do get the vote on it. We'll go to Victor Edmund. He's been, and not just because of what he's the way he's played in this cup final, although that's a big part of it. But as you know, it's a two month award, and you know he was uh, outstanding against Detroit. Um, he outshined PK Subban in the Montreal series. He was better than Ryan McDonough in the Eastern Conference final, and right now he's the best defenseman in the Stanley Cup finals. And that's saying something because. Duncan Keith will be my pick if the Hawks win the Cup. Um, but Victor Hemman is having an outstanding springtime and uh, going to win an Norris Trophy one day, I think. So with Johnny Oduya hurt on that Kucherov slew foot and playing, he missed, what, 12 or 13 minutes? He came back and played, and he, he was clearly laboring as well. Is that, a, is that a hot topic today? Like, what do they do if he if he's not feeling any better by well, tomorrow? I mean, what can't? There's another NHL coach up to me today. Good luck if he can't go. I mean... There are no other options. I mean, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk got a bit more of a look in the third period last night because of Oduya's limited capacity. And actually, I thought TBR played pretty well for a guy who hasn't played in the NHL since November, if you can imagine. Um, he's just one of those guys that he's just about making safe plays and, and plays under duress and gets the puck in right places, nothing flashy. But he would feature more prominently if Oduya can't go. Um, all Joel Quinville would say today was that it would be a game-time decision tomorrow for Johnny Oduya. So, I mean, that is, that's massive because, uh, as everyone knows, they've been relying on four defensemen the entire playoffs and, and playing the other two guys very, very, very little. Um, frankly, which is not that different than Tampa Bay. I mean, Matt Carl and um, Andre Suster aren't getting a whole lot of ice time either. Tampa relying on... Colburn and Garrison, and of course the excellent pairing of uh, Strawman and Edmund. So both teams are similar in that vein, but the difference now being if Oduya can't go, oh my gosh, that's a that's a game changer in this Cup final. Pierre Maguire, an hour ago, Pierre. Why did you get Kimo Timonen? You got Kimo Timonen because he's played in the Stanley Cup final. He's a proven player internationally, five Olympics with Finland. He played very well in the Olympics last year. Obviously, he's had some issues with his health this year with the blood clotting. But if you went out there to get him to be a player for you, now you got to play him. Uh, okay, and we went round and round for a few minutes with Pierre because clearly uh, Stan Bowman thought in case they needed some depth, he's a guy who's available, he's... Uh, as, as Pierre pointed out, a proven guy, a big question mark in terms of health, and then he played, and then he played less, and then he played even less, and then he doesn't play anymore. So clearly the the staff doesn't trust him. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be the same chemo team in him. But if, if, in fact, they are so desperate, would it not be worth trying him again? I mean, I, I think so, but, but you already answered your own question. I mean, Joe Quenneville doesn't trust him, and it is hard, and it takes time to earn Joel Quenville's trust when you're a newcomer in this group. Um, Antoine Vermette has just begun to earn that trust over the last two, three weeks. I mean, he was in the doghouse forever, and then had some big moments against Anaheim, and suddenly Quenville comes around on him. Brad Richards will tell you the first three months were really hard here for him this season, in October, November, December. Not a lot of trust, not a lot of ice time, and then finally the trust starts to come as Richard starts to look more in sync and and finally Quenville starts to play more and it certainly has become a prominent player here in the playoffs but it, it's not overnight and, and, and it's an interesting thing because you know people have talked about you know are Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville on the same page and both men will tell you yes when you ask that question I don't know what else they're going to tell you but it's just Interesting that when they've brought in some guys, they haven't always gotten used or played that much. And, I mean, that's that's a tough thing. 
You know, Pierre, at the other end with the Lightning, you've been following that group around this entire playoff. And I know back in the series against the Canadians, uh, Ryan Callahan was getting a ton of criticism. Played good in the uh, conference finals against New York, and now it looks like his game's at another level. Is there is there something you could see that's different from the Callahan we saw in that Canadian mm-hmm. series to the Callahan that's playing now? Well, you know, one thing that had to happen, I talked about this with Callahan last night after the game, and, and you're right, I mean, he's, he's been un- unbelievable. And it started in, against the Rangers late. started to get that, um, you know, that extra stride in his game, and uh, but now he's even brought it to another level. He, he had a big adjustment to make. Game five against Montreal, Ryan Callahan was taken off the, the Stephen Stamkos line for the first time in the entire season. He had been Stamkos' guy all year. And as we know, I mean, John Cooper trying to ignite Stamkos, moves him to the wing where Callahan was playing on right wing, brings Philpola up from the third line to play center, and and that's all she wrote. I mean, that's been the unit on that line ever since. It's been a good a good line. But what it meant is Ryan Callahan had to adjust to being a third line player for the first time, you know, in a long time in his career. Um, and there was an adjustment because of that. You know, he's playing with less creative off- offensive players and. You know, has to play more of a north-south game. And I think he's just, over time here, figured that out over the last couple of rounds, what what can make it work with Cedric Pocket and J.T. Brown. And, I mean, that line now is, is the best line in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, just when you think you know this game inside out and have a grasp of what's going to happen in this series, Cedric Pocket, Ryan Callahan, and J.T. Brown are the line in the Cup Finals right now. If anyone predicted that, I want to know. <laughs> well, and further to this, Chicago scoring, its depth scoring from its third and fourth lines, was seen as a huge advantage going into this series. Did Cooper use that for his own guys for motivational purposes? Well, I, I, I don't know if it was motivation, Rod, but I, but I can tell you that John Cooper went to Ryan Callahan after game one of the cup finals and said, Ryan, I need your line to step up offensively. We can't just keep relying on the triplets and Samkos. We, if we don't get third-line scoring, we're not winning the Cup. That was a message from John Cooper to Ryan Callahan after game one. And look at what's happened since. Um, and, and I think it's the reason that message was relayed from Cooper is because of what you just said. I mean, Chicago now, their lines are all over the place. I mean, you never know who's playing with who. But, you know, for most of the last couple of weeks, the third line has had Tara Vinen with Sharp um, and, and different guys. But most often than not, Tara Vinen and Sharp at the very least. I mean, <laughs> those guys are third-line players. That's, that's a lot of talent. And I think that was the scary thing for Tampa was to look at how much deeper the Hawks were up front offensively than they were. And so they needed their third line to have their moment, to have their best um, you know, period of the playoffs when it matters most, and that's exactly what's transpired so far in the cup final. It's pretty remarkable. With Pierre Maguire, yeah, Pierre Lebrun. Oh, Sorry, you did it Pierre. Again. I, uh, it. I do it twice a year. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Pierre Lebrun uh, in Chicago at the Stanley Cup final. Did Melnick you, in the just, afternoon. Just remember when you're talking to me, I got a much bigger head. Yeah, and you got a Van Dyke. I do. So you understand that term, right? Well, that's the old, that's how you used to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And what is it called now? Well, people just say goatee, I guess. Yeah, it's a goatee or a playoff beard. What do you make of NBC? We'll get back to the the players in a second but the, the the head of nbc sports mark lazarus apparently reportedly suggesting maybe the league would be better off if they forced guys to shave the playoff beards oh that's just stupid <laughs> that 
That's as intelligent as uh, as when uh, a governor in a board of governors meeting several years ago got up and said the cup final should be played in July because hockey shouldn't go up against high school football in October. See, Pierre Maguire can't say that. He might think it, but he can't say it, and he didn't say it. Uh, I want to get to uh, Ray Ferraro from two hours ago. Sharp, you know, it was in the penalty box for the game-winning goal in Game 2, and he made a costly mistake on the game-winner in Game 3, and he doesn't have a goal in 12 games. I mean, this is this playoff's not shaping up to be one of his best. And, and one of the things we, we threw at Ray, and I'll repeat it to you, Pierre, the, the fact that it looks like he's playing it out in Chicago, right? I mean, there's very little chance that, he can, that the, they'll be able to keep Patrick Sharp uh, is do you think that's part of the issue with him right now? You know, it's hard to say because I got to say my experience with Patrick Sharp when it comes to the Cup Finals is that it's actually when he ends up playing his best hockey. I mean, he's he's been a big stage clutch guy where it matters most for these guys all the way through over the last several years, and I am surprised. Um, you know, I credit the Tampa obviously for what they're doing. I mean, listen, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane don't have a goal either, right? I mean, there's there are things happening where it's not just you know why aren't the Hawks playing better? How about who they're playing? Um, and so there is that to consider. But you know, you can't as a human being completely ignore what what could happen here. If you're Patrick Sharp, you know that the Blackhawks have a cap crunch coming. Um, you know they have to re-sign Brandon Saad. The fear of an offer sheet on Brandon Saad from some a vulture team. There's a lot going on, and, and at the end of it. It's not that the Hawks don't like Patrick Sharp. They've loved him, but uh, no one wants Brian Bickle. So how are you going to move money? How are you going to create cap space? Patrick Sharp's probably your, your your number one asset. And, you know, he's no dummy. He knows that. But it's it's surely got to play on you on some level, no matter how much of a pro you are. So if you're another team, another general manager, say Mark Bergevin, and you need offense and you have a, you have a relationship with a guy like Patrick Sharp, I mm-hmm. uh, are are you are you? Ch- oh, I, I see what you're doing there, Mitch. Oh, are you, but are, is is your mind is your mind shifting because of how poorly he's playing lately, or or not? Or do you look at it and say, well, this is an aberration because he's he knows he's probably leaving Chicago. That's p- part of the issue. Well, like how, well, how would you think other, if you're the Habs? Well, here's the other thing. I mean, it's funny how you can spin things to make to make it work in your mind, right? Yeah. What if? You know, Sharp ending his playoffs quietly, or at least, I mean, listen, there's more time left in the finals for him to make his mark, but but what if him ending his playoffs quietly actually brings down the asking price? That's I mean, there's several linings everywhere in, in sport. I mean, and that would be the other way I would always look at it is, oh, maybe I can get him cheaper. Right. And you, mentioned, you mentioned some vulture team uh, and Brandon Saw. That's another, you know... Well, we're trying to get Jay Feaster on the air, the last guy to actually try this offer sheet thing. You, you, you really think? Give me a, give me a percentage. Uh, you know, zero to a hundred of, of this uh, happening. Probably ten percent. I mean, the two names that are the most susceptible to an offer sheet are Brandon Saad and Dougie Hamilton, and because those are two cap, you know, cap um, troubled teams, and and that's the only time you ever do it in this league. Because otherwise, it's a waste of time. I still think in both cases the Bruins have matched and the Hawks have matched, but it's worth a try. I mean, and I'll tell you why. When the in the summer of 2010 is when Chicago was vulnerable as well as you as you may well remember. Um, and the San Jose Sharks and people forget this. I don't know why it didn't get as much buzz, but the San Jose offer sheeted Nicholas Almerson, right? Which, which by right. the way, was a pretty smart play by San Jose. He would have been a heck of a player for them. But the Hawks matched it as they said they would. 
But what it did do, uh, Mitch, in a very competitive environment where the Sharks at the time were still one of the top teams in the West competing with, um, with Chicago, is it forced Chicago to let go Antony Emi. They, they had to make a decision on someone else that they would have otherwise wanted to keep. So the point is this, is that, okay, for sure Chicago is matching on Saad. For sure Boston's matching on Dougie Hamilton. But by offersheeting them, do you make them do something else hastily that they might otherwise have taken more time in the offseason to figure out? That's, that's the competitive advantage part of, of the offersheet and of you know, teams being in trouble with the cap. So what are you doing on an off night in Chicago? Well, we are um, um, we have a, a group of riders who are fading, uh, fading Bob McKenzie for his hockey. All-time. Ah, okay, yes. finally, yes, so sir. Is the night we're doing that, and before that, I'm going to go right after I hang up here, go to my favorite cigar shop in downtown Chicago and uh, light up a stogie. What, where is that? Uh, it's on Hubbard Street. I don't know if you know where that is in Chicago. No, I don't. Okay. I've only been to Chicago twice. Oh my gosh! I know, I know, because you know it's you middle. It's that. it's the you're Midwest. You're a music guy. You're a music guy. I know. Oh uh, my gosh! Yeah, and I haven't been to New Orleans either, and I haven't been to Austin. It's silly. I got to do this all in one fell oh, swoop one you, one year. You, you got to get your bucket list going there, buddy. I know. I'm way behind, but I'm too young. Anyway, the Stone song I played on a jukebox last night was "Beast of Burden." Beast of Burden. Yes, yeah. sir. From some girls, right? Yeah. Yeah. I also later played some uh, "Sympathy for the Devil." Do you and you you uh, you sang along or you just listened? No, I just uh, I just moved my hips and danced <laughs> a bit. Um, yeah, I played seventy four songs last night. It was seventy uh, four. What's do you have a record? Uh, I went over a hundred once. That was a long shift. <laughs> Gallo, do you had take a wild guess the the night that you uh, were when you were there when Pierre was? Yeah, it was it wasn't seventy four. Not a chance. It was much less than that that night. Well, 74, let's say the the average song length is like three minutes, right? Three to four minutes? Yeah. Well, I, I played 74. I didn't I didn't get to hear them all because, I had to, because they closed the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so they're probably still playing at that place we were last night right now. Someone else is listening to them. Uh, sounds like you're having a good time. Enjoy. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. All right. Sounds good, guys. Melnick in the Afternoon. Listen live weekdays from 3 to 7 on TSN 690.